Well, good morning, one and all. Very quickly, we're turning to Jonah, and I think this is the last look at chapter 2, and we'll move on to chapter 3 when we come back again on this incoming Tuesday. We're in a new location here this morning. In a classroom rather than the assembly hall, you're having a special open day, science fair. That sounds really good. We'll have to pop down and have a look around later on in the day. I hope everything goes well for you. Some interesting displays up showing your handiwork. I'm looking at a few of them where you, a number of you have told the story of home life and your mum. Well, we'll be coming down later and hopefully seeing more of what is on display. But in the meantime, let's look at this chapter 2. There's two things I want to mention as we conclude our study of chapter 2. Remember, here are the thoughts and the words of Jonah. Perhaps I should say the thoughts rather than the words, because being at the time in the whale's belly, I can't imagine him talking too much, but he certainly was thinking. And here you have a record of his thoughts and his mentally speaking unto the Lord in prayer. And there are two things here that I'd like us to take note of. In the chapter, you do have some reflections by Jonah. That is, looking back, thinking about what has happened. He's reflecting here. And then there's also evidence of Jonah's restoration to the Lord. Chapter 1 shows that Jonah was backsliding. We've dealt with that at some length. He ran away from the Lord. That's what backsliding is, you know. That's what backsliding is. When the Lord looks on the backslider, he's running away. Now, we mightn't see him running. They might appear to us as just occupying the same position that we have always known them to occupy. They may still be coming to church. They may even be attending the prayer meeting and still coming to the Christian school. But as God looks on them, they're running away from him. That's what backsliding is. Well, in the chapter 2, we see that Jonah has been turned round. He's no longer running away. So we look at that as well. But first of all, let's consider Jonah's reflections. He has some thoughts here, which are written down for us in this chapter, in the wake that is following the time of backsliding in his life. You know what I mean by a wake? No? I better explain that term. If you're out on a boat, a motorboat, and I'm sure some of you have been out in a boat of some form, if you have been and if you ever will be, if you look behind you as the boat is going, you will see a wake, a disturbance of the water. It's churned up. It's white. And stretching out from behind the boat is the wake created by the engine or by the passing of the boat through the water. And when we talk about in the wake of Jonah's backsliding, we're talking about that which followed after Jonah's backsliding. And he has some thoughts and reflections. The first one I want you to notice is one of self-reproach. He acknowledges what he did was wrong. And he reproaches himself. He condemns himself. 
and openly acknowledges that he was wrong. In the verse 8, for instance, we read, They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. And he's really summing up what he had done. To observe lying vanities is an expression that simply means to give regard to an idol, a false god. And those who do that forsake their own mercy. And Jonah had for a time given regard to someone other than God. He had placed someone in God's place. And he listened to that someone rather than God. He made an idol and listened to that idol rather than God. What was the idol? Himself. Himself. When God told him what it was he wanted him to do, Jonah rejected what God told him to do and listened to his own thoughts and decided that he was far better running away rather than obeying God. And so he set up an idol in the place of God and listened to that idol. And that idol was his own thoughts. Now we can do that very easily, boys and girls. We can read the Bible See what it is that God requires of us. And we can say, no, I'm not going to do that. I think there's a better way for me to live. That's setting up an idol. That's placing yourself where God alone should be placed. And that's a listening to yourself rather than listening to God. Jonah forsook the Lord, who is the fountain of all wisdom and knowledge. And he began to follow his own silly thoughts instead. Oh, how many live like that in this world. How many live like that in this world. And as a result, they forsake their own mercy. They bring ruin on themselves. They bring ruin on themselves. It is a plain truth, and I hope that you can learn it. Now, further to that, Jonah here demonstrates true faith and repentance. As I say in chapter 1, he didn't show true faith. He disbelieved God. He disobeyed God. And went in the opposite direction that God wanted him to go in. But here in this chapter 2, as a result of what he has experienced at the hand of God, he shows in his words, and God knew his heart, that he had returned in repentance unto the Lord, And was exercising now faith, obedience to God. Verse 9, look at what it says. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that I have vowed. The verse begins with the word but. And the word but always introduces something very different from what you have just said. And what he had just said in the verse 8 is that they that observe lying vanities forsake their own verses. That's what I, I did do a short time ago, Lord. I forsook the truth and I listened to the lying vanity of my own mind and my own heart. But, I've stopped that as verse 9 says, but I will sacrifice Unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving, I will pay that I have vowed. He's back on the right track. He's turned from the path 
of disobedience and backsliding. And he's on the right path now. The path of sacrifice and obedience. Do you know, boys and girls, that is the path that you and I should be following. That's the path that you and I should be following. We sang in our opening praise this morning a lovely hymn. Redeemed how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed through his infinite mercy, his child, and forever I am. And then the next verse that we sang was, I think of my blessed Redeemer. I think of him all the day long. Now, if you're a Christian this morning, and your thoughts turn to the Lord, you will immediately offer a sacrifice. You might not even realize you're doing it. You will offer the sacrifice of thanksgiving. We cannot, as Christians, think of the Lord at any time of the day without saying, Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. I've often found myself, as I have listened to the news or a report of some events or some tragedy that has taken place somewhere in the world, I can't listen to that without saying, Lord, thank you for your mercy to me. Thank you, Lord, you've spared me from such tragedies, such grief, such sorrows. You see, the child of God should be always sacrificing. And that's what Jonah has saying here. He had left off sacrificing, running away from the Lord. He was no longer rendering unto the Lord the praise that was due to his name. But now he's back sacrificing. And he says, as I've quoted to you from verse 9, I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. Tell me, do you ever say thank you, Lord? Here you are in good health. Have you said thank you, Lord? Here you are enjoying many benefits in a Christian school. Have you ever said Thank you, Lord. Here you are today. You have just come from a loving home. Have you ever said, Thank you, Lord? The spirit of backsliding makes us dumb, and we don't give thanks to the Lord as we ought. And Jonah, he's showing he's no longer a backslider. He says, I'm back to offering the sacrifice of thanksgiving. And he also says, I will pay that I have vowed, If you're saved this morning, you have made a vow. Sometimes we forget that. You have made a vow. That vow is to be seen in many of the hymns that we sing. I think of one I came to learn after I was saved. I really didn't know any old gospel hymns when I was saved. And consequently, every one that I heard, I thought, this is marvelous. Never heard the like of this in my life. And many of them stayed with me. And there's a little chorus that I think of, I will follow Jesus anywhere, everywhere, I will follow on. That's a vow. That's a vow. And every Christian has made that sort of a vow. I will obey the Lord and do what he commands. And Jonah is saying, I'm going to go back to that vow and I'm going to keep that vow. Though for a time when I backslid, I set aside that vow, and I broke that vow. Here is old Jonah then, and we can see the reflections that are passing through his heart and mind. I want you to notice, just as we come to the concluding of thinking about his reflections, his triumphant shout, right there at the end of the chapter. What does he say? 
Salvation is of the Lord. The end of verse 9. He had forgotten that for a wee while. Yes, he was a prophet of God, but he had forgotten that salvation is of the Lord. For a little time, he thought salvation is of me. What God has told me to do. Chapter 1. He's not going to do me good. I'd be better looking after myself and following my own thoughts. In other words, salvation is of me, Jonah was thinking. That's what backsliders think. I'd be better off following my own ways rather than God's. My good will come from me following my own ways and disobeying God. That's what men think. And that's what backsliders think. But Jonah has been restored by the mercy of God. There's a spirit of repentance about him. And now he triumphantly shouts, Salvation is of the Lord. It's of him that I will enjoy salvation. And the word salvation is a great word. It's a word that, as it were, puts his arms round every joy, all peace, everything that's good for us. That's what salvation refers to. And these things we will find in the Lord alone. In the Lord alone. You see, old Jonah was saying, here I am stuck in the belly of a whale. And how did I get here? Following my own notions. That's what brought me here. I thought that if I followed my own notions, I'd be doing myself good. But instead, here I am in the belly of a whale. Obedience to God is the best way forward. For salvation is of the Lord, he says. Don't ever forget that. Do you hear me? Don't ever forget. As you walk through life, if you would know good and peace and joy and success, it will come only from God. And it will come only to those who obey the Lord. These are the thoughts that have passed through the heart and mind of old Jonah. And as they are recorded here in the chapter 2. Let me come quickly then to the restoration that Jonah enjoyed. You know, Jonah's being swallowed by the wheel, his preservation in the belly of the wheel, and his being cast forth on the shore is a demonstration of the supernatural and miraculous nature of what happened to him. Let me repeat that. That was a long sort of a statement and you might have missed it. But basically, all the things that happened to Jonah were miracles. Every one of them were unnatural, out of the ordinary events. The Lord prepared the fish that swallowed him. We saw that in verse 17 of chapter 1. And it was the Lord who preserved Jonah in the belly of the wheel. Jonah's was a miraculous experience. Not only swallowed, but he was preserved in the very depths of the sea in the belly of the wheel. And then we are told in the last verse of chapter 2, the Lord spake unto the fish and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. Do you know the animals hear God and obey God? The animal kingdom obeys God. It's something for you to think about that is only among boys and girls and daddies and mommies and uncles and aunts among the human beings that you will find disobedience to God. The animals always do God's bidding. It's only us sinful human beings that dare to disobey God. So the fish heard God and spat out Jonah. 
This was all a miraculous thing. Are you in any way aware of the miraculous care that God exercises over you every day? Are you in any way aware of this? You know, we're a wee bit like babies. Now you've all seen little babies. Tiny little babies. I mean the little baby that is almost sleeping all the time. And when it's not sleeping, it's sucking at a bottle. Well, that wee baby is lifted, washed, new clothes put on it, nice bed made for it, put down in the bed, made cozy, made sure that it's warm and comfortable and fed. And the baby doesn't know one thing about it. It doesn't know one thing about it. It doesn't understand what's going on. It doesn't know who the person is that's giving this great care. Oh, it grows a bit. And after a while it begins to realize that's mommy and she looks after me and that's daddy and he does the same. But at the beginning it doesn't. Now many of us have no consciousness just like that wee baby, of the kindness of God toward us, how he lifts us and lays us and feeds us and cares for us. We never take note of the fact that God is doing this. And the miracles that happened in the life of Jonah here is an indication of the miraculous care of God's people that the Lord takes. Please, I want you today to think on this and recognize that though I hardly understand how it is or what it is he does. God is taking care of me every day. One day I'll understand. One day I'll know the dangers that he brought me through. But now I, by faith, recognize that he preserves me from dangers. Dangers that I oftentimes don't see. The shepherd often goes out and chases away the wolf. And the sheep never knows that there was a wolf there. A wolf that would have devoured them if the shepherd hadn't acted. That's how it is with the Lord. But again, you will notice that it was the word of God that came to Jonah's rescue and restored him. It says, he spake unto the fish. The Lord spake unto the fish. It was by the word of God that he was delivered out of his danger and out of his troubles and brought to the shore. The Lord by his word. Boys and girls, see that book in front of you? That's the word of the Lord. And that book can do for you what the word spoken to the fish did for Jonah. I want you to understand that. You might say, well, I just can't get my head round that. How can this book do that for me? I'll close by saying that you have illustrated in the story of Jonah here. Three great truths that are the experience of the child of God. First of all, Jonah was cast out onto the shore. And that's a picture of what happens to the child of God when they're born again. By the word of God, the fish threw Jonah out onto the shore. He had come out of darkness. He had come out of the depths of danger. And by the word of God, he was standing on the shore. Alive. That's what it is to be born again. To be lifted up out of darkness and made alive through the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you alive today? By the word of God. This takes place. First Peter, the chapter 1 and the verse 23 says this, We're born again by the word of God. 
That's the source of life. That book in your hand. Then again, there is a picture of something else in all that happened to Jonah. And it is a truth called sanctification. You see, Jonah slipped into sin. He was defiled by sin. But God in his mercy rescued him out of it. Restored him. Cleansed him. And that goes on in the life of the child of God all the time. The Lord Jesus said to his disciples on one occasion, Now are ye clean through my word. See that book? It keeps you clean. If you obey that book, it will keep you clean. It will not wash your face. You'll have to do that yourself. But it will keep your heart clean. It will keep your mind clean. It will keep your life clean. The Lord Jesus prayed in John chapter 17 unto his Father. He said, Father, sanctify them. Make them pure through thy word. And the word of God rescues Jonah here from his defilement, from his disobedience. He spake and the fish threw him out and there he was. As he landed on the shore, I can just about imagine in my mind the fish casting him out and and Jonah landing on his feet and staggering a bit and he was taking the first steps on the road of obedience. The first steps of doing what God wanted him to do. That's what God does all the time. He rescues us from our backsliding and running away and he sets us on the path once again of obedience and truth. One other thing, one other doctrine is illustrated here. Resurrection. Now we haven't experienced that yet, but we will if we're true children of God. The Lord Jesus said of Jonah and his experience that it was a picture of his death and resurrection. But it not only was a picture of the Savior's resurrection, it's a picture of what will happen to us. There will come a day when we will arise on the shore of eternity, sharing in the glory of the Lord Jesus. My time's gone, but I'm going to read some verses from 1 Corinthians, and it's the chapter 15, and you older ones can look it up, because I'd like you to be familiar with these words. Chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians. Paul here is writing, the verse 51, we're on towards the end. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep or all die, but we shall all be changed. Now when he says we shall not all die, he's referring to the fact that when the Lord Jesus Christ comes back again, there will be Christians alive on the earth, and they will not die. But they, at his coming will be changed and glorified along with all those who in years before had died and were raised from the grave at the Saviour's return. They too are changed. So that's what Paul's referring to. Then he goes on, in a moment, this is how it's going to happen, in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. That's the future of the child of God. And what happened to Jonah is a picture of what will happen to everyone who saved. They will be brought forth onto the shore of God's heaven, having been released from the bondage that they had been in, and set 
gloriously free. Oh, think on these things, boys and girls. And as we return to the book of Jonah next week, you have a wee look at chapter 3 and see what there is there. For we'll be looking at that in the will of the Lord. Let's bow together now in prayer. Dear Lord, I ask thee to write your word on the hearts of the children. Thy Spirit must explain it to them, Lord, for how far short we fall in trying to explain thy blessed word. Bless the school today. We pray that it will be a good day as this little exhibition will take place. Bless the teachers. O God, look down on this work. And even as you brought Jonah out of the darkness and out of the depth and begun a new chapter in his life, a chapter of victory, so, Lord, bless the school that it might enter into a new chapter of victory. To the glory of thy name, we ask these things. Amen. Amen.